back to the power of conversational AI with generative AI combined. At part two today, we have Soren, the cloud solution architect at Microsoft, who has been involved in IT in one way or another since he was 10 years old. He has seen everything that has happened over the last 20 years and built games for fun. He's been a leader, a consultant, a solution architect. He's done it all. He loves the latest technologies, the artificial intelligence, the virtual reality, the Internet of Things. And today we get to pick his brain for a second time on all of that tech and the future of work. Dan is the chief product officer of Druid AI. He has had a long and distinguished career. It doesn't mean he's old. He's just had a long and distinguished career with technologies and specialities and Microsoft Dynamics CRM, business intelligence, document management, HR, and of course, conversational AI, and now fusing conversational AI with generative AI as part of Druid's product roadmap. What Dan does not know about technology is not worth knowing. And today I get to interview both Soren and Dan and artificial intelligence and how it's impacting business, society and people's lives for a second time. Welcome Soren and Dan. It's such a pleasure to have you on Druid Podcasts once more. Soren, how do you see, uh, or how do we ensure the companies uh, approach developing AI applications so that they deliver excellent technology and to go back to earlier on, but they do this in a way that's secure and that uh, the privacy and regulatory compliances are all followed. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question, especially in the context of generative AI, which um, kind of requires um, uh, some uh, very, very large uh, models behind it. And it kind of depends, the answer to this kind of depends on whether you're using uh, your generative AI as a service from somebody like OpenAI, or you try to roll your own models uh, inside your company. Both uh, approaches have advantages and disadvantages, but I think service, uh, using them as a service will be the way to go for a lot of companies and a lot of scenarios, simply because this is a much lower barrier to entry and uh, the time to value is almost instant, right, compared to other types of AI projects or projects in general, indeed. So again, if you're using a service, you need to understand, you need to do your homework, you need to understand what data is collected, where that data is stored, uh, whether you have an option to opt out of data collection at all um, or completely, uh, just to, you know, to uh, reduce the potential data exfiltration um, in this scenario and how the data is actually being used uh, by the model or the models that you you employ um so this this needs to be a process that uh, should happen up front uh this is not something that you can just say okay we'll figure out later that, that does it doesn't work like that uh you should also consider some other mitigation techniques like anonymization of data removing uh, uh personally identifiable information anything like that should be uh, ideally scrubbed from your inputs before you present that data to, to these models, to these services uh, uh, backed by those large language models. Obviously, if you try to roll your own models, um, you, may, uh, you may be able to keep that data completely uh, within your organization, but then you have the uh, disadvantages of not being able to iterate as quickly. Uh, it may take you longer uh, to, uh, to, to reach value, and uh, there's always a trade-off to that. Right. Is there, Soren, is there, because when we mention here the two parts, just if everybody uses 
globally available data and globally available models, then technically they're going to get the same answer, subject to how good a prompt engineer they are. If you want to be distinct and gain competitive advantage, then you use your own IP, you use your own knowledge that's been built up over years, you use your own team and the processes or the methods that create a distinct competitive advantage. Is there a deciding guideline or set of rules that you've come across that says go generic or go specific and go unique or go hybrid? How would you advise companies at the very, very start as to which to choose? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's like a very uh, friendly decision tree uh, chart for you to to look at. Uh, But usually um, in order to, to make use of that, uh, technology uh, in your business scenarios, uh, you will need to expose it to your internal data. Uh, now, there are multiple ways to do this. Um, and um, what's been uh, happening recently uh, in the space is that uh, you no longer need to expose that data to the model directly or to, say, maybe train the model with, on your data. You can just let it know that that data exists and the model can take a look at it and then incorporate those, um, that knowledge into its answers. Uh, and you can also you can uh, also tell it to only use that information, your private information, when uh, um, when generating an answer, rather than just relying on the global knowledge. This is a process that's called grounding, and it's usually uh, accomplished through prompt engineering and a few other techniques. And it is, in my opinion, it's basically uh, it's the deciding factor between um, a great solution and a merely passable one. So pretty much everyone that I've seen will eventually go to expose their their own data to the model. But how you actually ground the model into uh, only using that data and uh, giving you what you want from it is uh, is a process. It's not something that you can um, you can just uh, you can just take for granted. And that's maybe where people need that little bit of guidance at the start to help them set things up correctly or configure correctly. That's right. Dan, what would your advice be for organizations wishing to adopt conversational AI and generative AI in their organizations? So from my perspective, the first thing is to be okay with consuming generative AI from security governance and data privacy. So put the technology in place to allow anyone in the company to to use this in a governance managed way. So leave this data privacy and concerns aside. And then to unleash this technology to anyone interested, not to keep it for a few technical people to experiment because the technology is so powerful that uh, with an enabler like a a conversation AI platform or Druid Virtual Assistant can be in hand of any person in the business and start experimenting and discover use cases. Myself, I discovered like a couple of tens of use cases, but now I'm reading books presenting 20,000 use cases. So I would allow any person in the organization try to use generative AI in his daily task and build like a knowledge inside the organization, like a library of prompts and use cases that can be shared. It's a 
tool, it's a gift that can be delivered to any employee. Let me ask, I'm going to separate the next two questions out just uh, very quickly to both of you and uh, quick answers if you don't mind. Generative AI, we hear a lot about job losses or value creation. Where do you sit on the fence, Soren? Uh, which is it, job creation or job destruction with generative AI? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the way I look at it, the way I like to frame it is that uh, I don't think that AI will replace people, but I think that people using AI will replace people not using AI. Uh, so it's going to be an enabler rather than a destroyer. I think that some time-consuming tasks will become less so. It will be uh, much easier to accomplish by the same people uh, much faster with fewer errors and fewer, uh, much less need to, to redo things. Uh, there will be instances where specific tasks will be attainable by non-specialists. I've given the example of, you know, uh, conversational language to app. Uh, and I think that's one scenario that I'm really excited about. Uh, there are also new jobs that uh, will be and are created at this point. Uh, even right now, we have the prompt engineer, which I think is right now is becoming a sort of a job in itself with its own uh, skills and, and uh, maybe qualifications. Um, I won't say that there will be nothing uh, that will disappear. There will probably some be some things that will uh, will go the way of the you know carriage builder or you know uh, uh, those kinds of, of uh, activities that will be uh, performed better by some AI but overall I think this is just uh, the main uh, outcome of this will, is, will make us as a whole more productive Dan same question to you generative AI job destroyer or value creator I'm sharing from my projects and working with my customers. When we started Druid, one of our concerns is how the employees will look at Druid and automatization will be afraid that will replace the job and they will push back the technology. And what is happening is the opposite. There is a queue of employees saying, when I get my robot, Human uh, agents in the contact center are not are not pushing uh, Druid bots, uh, being afraid that they will lose their job. It's the opposite. I want a robot because I can handle more calls. Uh, HR persons the same procurement, financing, legal. So it's a demand to have these tools. It's not a worry that this tool will replace my job, not at all. Yeah, I love hearing that. I have to say my use of it is, it's just augmented what I'm doing, allowing me to be a lot more productive and better at what I'm doing. And that's exciting, exciting for everyone. Final question. <clears throat> We've seen the year 2000, we have seen AI, we've now got generative AI. We've now got conversational business applications and a whole host of exciting technology that just wasn't around a decade ago. What other emerging trends in technology do you both find the most exciting? And how do you envision, envision them shaping the future of the industry and the world? And if I begin with Soren first answering that question, what tech's exciting you and what's coming that we should be aware of? 
so if I'm I'm gonna stay in this uh, AI field since the is the one that I'm basically living my life in uh, for a few years now, uh, I think that uh, um, generative AI has the potential to unlock some um, the capabilities of some of the other AI. Uh, trends and some of the other uh, AI um, technologies that were actually in the spotlight uh, just a few years back, just before generative AI started to uh, to take over a little bit. Uh, so the, the example that I'm thinking of is reinforcement learning, which is a technique where you have this agent, this autonomous agent, uh, that is learning to do a task, a general task, just by trying and failing at it multiple times. The most, uh, I think, the most common, uh, the most well-known example of this is um, AlphaGo, which was a uh, Go-playing robot or Go-playing program uh, developed by DeepMind that basically uh, taught itself to play a very, very complex game, which is a, which is Go, in uh, several weeks during several weeks of self-play. So essentially, just played the game with itself many, many times and learned. Uh, the rules of the game and how to play better and better just by doing it. And uh, that uh, program got to such a level that at some point it defeated the uh, reigning uh, Go world champion, the human uh, Go world champion. So that technology has not gone away. Um, it's still around, but it was uh, essentially uh, kind of uh, lost the spotlight a little bit. Uh, I think because of the fact that there are also some limitations to that technology, uh, there has there are some, uh, let's say, some things that it's not very good at. And I think generative AI can complement that very well. Uh, so things like generative AI and reinforcement learning are uh, techniques that can, uh, can uh, work together now to, um, to mitigate each other's weaknesses and, be, and uh, build, um, build something that is uh, something that we can just imagine right now. So just imagine some agent that learns to do a physical task, like a robot, a physical robot that learns to do a physical task, not just by trying and failing at that task, but also getting verbal input from a trainer or being able to talk to a specialist in natural language about that particular task, right? So just imagine that kind of scenario. Um, I think that's really exciting. And I think we'll see more of that um, in the next, uh, I mean, during this decade for sure. Someone said recently, if you can imagine it and you can describe it, then generative AI can create it. And that sounds like what you're describing there. Yeah, exactly. Dan, what technologies are exciting the life out of you at the moment? What do you see uh, as an emerging technology in the next number of years getting you even more excited? Uh, I am very deep in the uh, conversational AI space. And uh, in my opinion, the conversational will be the new operating system, the new operating way. So everything, uh, uh, always when we will interact with a device, a system, a data, an application, we will just talk and chat as we do with a human. And this will unleash all the existing functionalities and all the current tasks to accomplish them in a different way. So, um, uh, and generative AI and large language model will continue to be better and better than that. And um, not only that they will understood what I want to ask, but they will be able to 
complete more and more uh, the tasks. And all the providers in that space will just use this new technology. So all the existing applications will transform and become conversational. Yeah. It's interesting you're saying that because we're so used to using keyboards, but it's not the most natural thing in the world. The most natural thing in the world is a conversation. Although I like both because someone who isn't able to speak can but, actually... But like you, you, you see what happens with the mobile phones. They have, used to have keyboards and then they had touch screens and there is no way back. So There's no way back. And now yeah. we're talking to them. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I remember my kids, they go to the TV and start doing with the with the fingers on the TV and nothing happens. They, the, the, the TV is, break, is broken. <laughs> not be the talk to the TV and nothing will happen and then they'll think the TV is broken as well. Look, the same. I will go and talk with my HR application on the desktop and this application is broken, it's not reacting on what, what I'm saying to her. <laughs> It's an exciting time to be involved in technology. Soren, Dan, thank you so much indeed. Like what we've discovered today is there is a whole new world of technology exploding beneath us. And everybody is exploring this technology in their own unique way. Soren, I think you mentioned, or Dan, 20,000 use cases so far. That book you were reading must be a very big book and it's getting actually still. <laughs> I think the future is exciting. It's what we make of it. As long as we do it in an ethical, compliant, risk and regulatory, secure way, and it sounds like we are now doing that, then giving everybody access to this technology to allow them to explore and develop and create and do new and better things in a way that augments, not replaces them, leads us to a very exciting future over the next couple of years. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you for having us. A pleasure to be with you all. Yeah, thank you, Kieran. Uh, good, to, good talking to you again, Dan. Uh, that was a really fun podcast.